Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette. We have basketball state championships coming up this weekend in Sacramento. And to preview those, I'm joined today with prep to prep sports writer, Ethan Castle. He's up there in the San Francisco area. Going to talk about the Northern California teams. Ethan, thank you so much for being with me. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Thanks a lot for having me on. Nice to have a couple days. You know, the schedule's such a whirlwind. We actually have a couple days off to kind of prepare for things this time. Yeah, which is really nice. I'll be making my trek up to Sacramento tomorrow. Uh, are you going to try to get there Thursday night as well, or what's your plan? That's nah, about a two-hour drive, assuming regular traffic. Could be less than that, so I'll be pulling in early Friday. Okay, awesome. So let's get into the Open Division game, and it's Corona Centennial who's having, as I'm sure you've seen, Ethan, a phenomenal season out of the southern section, 32-1. and They're only lost to Duncanville in Texas, which was before – the new year, they're going up against Modesto Christian, who played a really great semi or regional championship game, I should say, against Campolindo, winning that one. And Modesto Christian, Ethan, it, it, they're big uh, underdogs in this game, but but what do you see from them? I know they have a lot of really talented underclassmen led by Jamari Phillips. Yeah, I mean, when you have one of the top 20 sophomores in the nation, you honestly have a chance against anybody. And considering that they just beat a stellar Campolindo team last night, yes, they're going to be underdogs. And yes, Centennial's been running through everyone, but don't count them out, especially because of Phillips. And what's made them so tough lately is that they've got a couple of international players. They've got two kids from the Democratic Republic of the Congo that have both been playing really well. Big skinny center, Prince Osea, and then burly power forward, Manasseh Itede, who I last saw them play at the MLK Classic a couple months ago. And Itede was just kind of, at the time, a slower kid off the bench who's really whipped himself into basketball shape because he's also a football player. He's a lineman. And his development has made them a much tougher, more physical team inside to go with some super athletic guards. They're not crazy deep. Injuries have gotten in the way of their depth. They're missing a couple of key pieces, but those guys have been out all year. That said, if you can wear them down, that's definitely an edge that Centennial will have. Yeah, and you, you mentioned wearing teams down. That's what Corona Centennial does best. And I've been guilty of sort of, I think, undervaluing their talent all season and how well they play together as a team and just – in the Southern section, we know how talented that open division playoff gauntlet is and Centennial won every game by at least 20 points, even the championship. And then they go up against Sierra Canyon last night and win 83 59. They are just so, so well coached. They're so talented that they, they get the most out of uh, that group. And really I've just been blown away by them. I, I thought on paper to begin the year, Sierra Canyon was the better team because of all the D one talent. But Corona Centennial, even with losing Kylan Boswell, it sort of helped them out a little bit. They've gotten even better by uh, him transferring, which is crazy to say. You think if you lose arguably your best player at the beginning of the year, that that would hurt you. And for Corona Centennial, it's been business as usual, and they've been even better. So uh, I agree with you. I think Modesto Christian is talented, but Corona Centennial, and you'll see it, Ethan, this weekend. I've Like I said, I've been guilty of not giving them their full due. I, I, they finally earned it last night, and I, I think they're going to win pretty comfortably just because that's what they've done the past few weeks. So uh, that's how I see that game going. But it sounds like if there is one player who can make it interesting, would you say it's Phillips for Modesto Christian? He's the guy to key in on? Absolutely. I mean, he had, I think he had 20 points last night was what I had seen. I was at a Division Five game, so I didn't see it in person. But 
he's good for 20 points almost every night. And he can do a little bit of everything. He gets to the rack. He can shoot from outside. He's strong. He's physical. He's a really well-rounded player. And one of the neat things about him is unlike a lot of players that you can see that are nationally ranked in their class, he's young. He's, at least as of a couple months ago, was only 15 years old. So he's a young sophomore, but he's that talented. He's pretty mature. Now he did take a technical foul late last night. We got caught up in the moment, but overall pretty mature, very big hands. You know, he's a grown man as a 15 year old and it's awfully fun to watch him. And even if it does end up being a runaway for Centennial, there's a chance he ends up impressing kind of like there were times when Aaron Gordon, you know, was, you know, even if his team was getting killed, he was still the best individual player on the floor. So you could definitely have a scenario like that. Awesome. I'm excited to check him out and Corona Centennial. They've never won a state championship in school history. So looking forward to seeing if they can end that drought. Let's move to division one, Ethan. So Damien from the star studded baseline league here in the Southern section, they made the open division playoffs and then they went uh, one and two, which dropped them to the D one state playoffs. And they made a run in the Southern regional. They're going up against a team that seems like a bit of a team of destiny situation in Clovis North. They've won some really tight games, 70 to 68 over Miramonte 45, 43 over Folsom 58, 56 last night over St. Ignatius to make the championship game. I think on paper, I, I like Damien a little bit more, but it seems like Clovis North has figured out how to win and you can never discount that. Yeah, the thing with Division One, you know, there are teams like Damien that are open division caliber because there are so many good teams in Southern California that go down to Division One, And in this competitive equity area, that's usually how it's gone, whether it be Chino Hills a few years ago, or I'm trying to remember a couple of the other teams off the top of my head that have, that have done that. It might have been Chino Hills twice, actually. Yeah, they're a good example, definitely. Yeah, but Clovis North, you know, they've been on a roll lately Four straight road wins, all long trips, all at least, I believe, was 175 miles. You know, because the teams in Fresno, they kind of get split between the north and south. And they had to go on the road and face a bunch of really strong teams, teams that I've seen all year. Three of the four teams they've beaten are from my area, teams that I've been watching since, you know, early December and just been enamored with. And they've gone in and knocked them off one by one in tight games. So... That's obviously not to be discounted. Um, sophomore point guard Connor Amundsen's having a great season. Coach's kid, really gifted scorer. One of a small, undersized guard, yet he doesn't have to shoot threes to have success against Sacred Heart Prep. He didn't make a single three, but he scored 27. You look at the list of teams they've picked off so far, and every single one of those teams had some really good wins almost all other than maybe Folsom were seriously in open division consideration at one point or another at the NorCal level, two teams that played in the CCS open division, one that played in the NCS open division and the other made a deep sack Joaquin section run. So they can run with really good teams. Again, it's just a question of just how good is Damien because they've had, again, if you're, a top seed in D1 in Southern California in the equity format, you're an open division caliber team. You probably would have been an open division team in Northern California. That being said, Clovis North has played open division teams. They took Clovis West to overtime. Clovis West was a NorCal open division team. So 
I wouldn't count them out. They've been the team of destiny. And if you really enjoy watching Damien, watching how they play, I'd say watch out even more because Clovis North's had a great habit of picking off teams that have been really enjoyable to watch. Okay, awesome. The one thing that makes me nervous about Clovis North, I don't think they had everyone, but I saw them at the Classic at Damien. They had the unfortunate situation of having to go up against Corona Centennial due to some COVID-19 cancellations, and it was just a tough game. They lost 89-28. And- yeah, I'm looking at that score right now, but that was also there – were, there were some results in that stretch, especially those tournaments between Christmas and New Year that most years are very telling, but this year it's so hard to judge because, like you said, teams were missing guys. It was right in the middle of that whole Omicron wave. I agree. I think they're clearly a totally different team now than they were back then. For Damian, Mike LaDuke, legendary coach. He was at Glendora and now is back at Damian. Won over a thousand games. He's, believe it or not, Ethan, looking for his first ever state championship. So Damian will be playing in addition to the motivation of just winning a state championship. They'll have the added motivation of trying to get one for their legendary head coach, which I think will be a factor in this game. And then the two players to watch for them, they have a lot of great players, but RJ Smith, their point guard's going to Colorado, Pac-12 kid. And then Caleb Smith, a small forward, really good shooter. He signed with UC Riverside. So those are the two players to watch for the Spartans. But Jimmy Oladokun is a really good junior forward for them. He bangs down low in the post, really impressed with him. Spivey Ward is a shooting guard who he's a little bit streaky, but if he gets going on the right night, he can give you over 20 points. So I'm excited to see how Clovis North defends a lot of the offensive options for Damian. And I'm excited to see how motivated Damian is to win a championship for their coach, but I'm certainly not discounting Clovis North, even though I didn't love how they played when I saw him back in December, because you're absolutely right. You can't really hold that much stock in those games because this year has been such a crazy year. So I I think Damian will probably win, but I think it could be a good game. So I'm excited for that one. Do do you feel that's usually how that, how that yeah. D1 game has gone in the equity era. Um, I'm just looking. So Damien came up to the MLK Classic in 2018. So none of the players from that team would still be around. But I remember at the time, they were just loaded with talent. And again, obviously very well coached. Now, how many years has LeDuc's second stint been going on there? Uh, that's a good question. I, I think it's when Matt Dunn, who was there before, went to St. John Bosco, which might have been five or to seven years ago, somewhere in that window. I'm not exactly sure. Okay, so then LeDuc probably would have been coaching them in 2018 when they yeah. came up here. And they beat De La Salle, who is always a really tough team to coach against because they're so tough defensively and they can really wear you down. So that that alone is a testament. Even if it's a game from almost five years ago, it still says a lot. Certainly. Let's look at Division Two. I think this game has the potential on paper to be one of the best of the weekend. It's Foothill from Orange County, 31-3, and a really, really well-coached team. We'll get into that matchup in a second against Elk Grove from the Sac Joaquin section of Division II playoff team, 27-6. and And both of these teams have – I mean, they're in the state championship, so of course they've looked really good in the state playoffs. But just finding ways to win is what's so impressive. And with Foothill, their head coach, Yo Edamati – Foothill doesn't have a ton of talent. They don't have anyone who's like a high D1, really probably anyone who's a D1 kid at all, but they play really well together. They're led by two little guards, Cruz Billings and Jacob Horton, and then they have a decent big and Braden Bernhard. Those are the three players to watch. But what you'll see about Foothill, Ethan, is that they're never going to be out of a game. They were down 20 to Carlsbad in the state playoffs. 
at home. And then they came back and won that game in triple overtime. The moment is never too big for them. Even if they get down early, I, I still think they can make a run. They're incredibly smart, incredibly well coached. They're just a team that I've enjoyed watching all season. So I'm excited when the pressure's at the highest this weekend, how they look against a really good Elk Grove team. That's sort of my breakdown of Foothill. What do you have on Elk Grove? Well, first off, as the closest team to Golden One Center, they're definitely going to bring the fans out. The Cartwright crazies, they call them. Their gym is named after Bill Cartwright. And I remember seeing them as sophomores in a pretty good tournament over at Dublin High. And back then, I was blown away by just how good Amir Britton and Dejon Lott were. And those two were definitely the two guys that really lead this team. Britton's a 6'2 point guard, kind of burly, a lot of muscle, can score from anywhere. And then Lott is a bit of a skinny 6'8 post, um, averaging around a double-double, looks like. Yeah, he's averaging 12.6 points, 10.8 boards, and then Britain averages a little over 18.6 boards and nearly five assists. Those are definitely the guys who are really going to lead this team. I'm a little surprised to see Britain not having a lot of D1 attention yet, but I think some of that also comes from the logjam over the last couple of years with players getting the extra year. This type of kid who, you know, if he does a post-grad year or decides to walk on somewhere, he'll definitely have success and He'll be playing at the next level somewhere. It's just a question of where. Yeah, he's been their best guy. And I remember Joe Davidson at the Sacramento Bee, he highlighted him as one of the players to watch before the season started. So I think Foothill fans, you mentioned it, Ethan Britton and then Lott are the two guys to, to lock down. I, I think Lott will probably be an X factor going up against Braden Bernhard because Lott is, is bigger than, than Bernhard. Bernhard might be a little taller, but Lott is wider and I, and I think can – really do some damage in the post. So I'm excited to watch that matchup. But like I said, you can never count Foothill out. I, I think this game out of all of them on paper has, has the close has the potential to be the closest. So I, I am just really looking forward to, to that because some of these games I don't think will be as close. So I, I'm excited to just see how this one turns out. Really looking forward to it. Looking at results lately, it looks like the type of game that could definitely be you know, in the high 40s game where maybe yeah. you don't see as much up and down play, but a lot of good fundamental basketball, considering the teams that Elk Grove has beaten in their NorCal run. San Ramon Valley is a very physical defensive team. Vanden's very big and athletic and long, and Branson is a team that can really grind you defensively, and they won tight games against all three. They've won – none of their NorCal wins have been by more than seven points – but they've all been against quality teams. And while they won't be in their own gym, they'll definitely still have the home crowd on their side being the one true home rep, one of two Sack Joaquin section reps on the boys' side. And the only one that's, you know, got a large student body that's within driving distance. So it'll be, it'll be a rowdy atmosphere. It should be a lot of fun. Awesome. And it's a great send off for a pretty decorated senior class at that school. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the fans come out. That'll, that'll be great. In Division Three, you've talked about competitive equity a little bit. It seems like Pleasant Valley, the number one seed from Northern California, they haven't really had any issues at all getting to the championship, winning every game by double figures, and only one of them was somewhat close by, by a 12-point margin against Lincoln from San Francisco against the scrappy Venice team from the Los Angeles City section. Venice is a team, and I'll get to them in a second, who I really underestimated. I did not think they could get this far, so very proud – of that group. And uh, I've had to eat my words talking about them, but Pleasant Valley, Ethan, it just seems like it's a tough matchup for Venice because it's been a tough matchup for everyone who's played Pleasant Valley in the state playoffs. Yeah. 
Now, it is worth noting that Lincoln game actually went to overtime. Lincoln tied it at the end of regulation, but then was held to just two points in OT. Okay, I didn't uh, know that. But clearly, when people were putting this thing together, they underestimated Pleasant Valley because they're in the northern section and they don't have a ton of competition up there. But you look at their non-league results. I mean, they took Granada, who was a Division One team out of NCS and played in the NCS Open to overtime. They beat Clovis West. Now, granted, that was at a time when Clovis West was reportedly missing a bunch of guys to COVID. But you look at their results, the teams they played from out of their section, and they beat up some good teams. They beat some very good Sacramento area teams, such as Casumnus Oaks. They should have at least been a high D2 team. So I think it's a chance for them to really get some respect for the Chico area. Um, I've talked with Menlo's coach a lot, Ben Batori. They had the misfortune of going up against them second round. He said it was like facing a bunch of grown men. He said it would have been fun to see them go up against Sacred Heart Prep, who was the number one seed in Division One. Um, the combination of Noah Thomas and coach's kid Luke Kramer is pretty difficult. This is a team with three different guys averaging upwards of seven rebounds a game. So clearly it's a team effort there. You know, that fits in line with them being super physical. And that's another team that even with a bit of a longer trip, they'll still pack the place. Their student section should be close to full. They made it around 2018, I believe, in Division Three. So these seniors would not have really been – those seniors would have been still eighth graders at the time. But this has been a program that's got a really good legacy, and I hope that they get more respect – after making it to a second state championship game, just because they're from an area without great depth of teams at that level doesn't mean they should be disrespected. They are good. I agree. And I was guilty, like I said, of disrespecting Venice. I covered Venice's regional quarterfinal game against El Camino Real, a team from the city section. And Venice was up 20 the whole second half and won big. And then their next game, on that Saturday, they had to go play Rancho Verde in the Inland Empire Southern Section team, team that had lost in the Southern Section 3A championship that I thought was going to be, and of course was, really hungry to make a state run. And I'd seen them earlier this year, and I just thought Venice, Rancho Verde, in my head, I, I think Rancho Verde probably has the edge, and I expect them to win, and maybe even by a 10 or 12-point margin. Then Venice goes in and beats them, and then it was the same situation in the regional championship against Viewpoint. So I'm done underestimating Venice. It sounds like Pleasant Valley is going to be a tough matchup. So we'll, we'll see how Venice performs, but I'm not going to say anything outlandish about the gondoliers right now. Cause I've been so wrong with them. The players to watch for Venice sophomore, Tyler hunt has been their best score point guard. Devin Johnson is very talented. Then they have two guys who aren't the tallest, but they perform well down low Percy Jackson and Aiden Donald Jackson's a senior Donald's a sophomore. They're only about six foot, six foot one, but they're wide and they can get rebounds and they can also handle the ball. So they do a little bit of everything for Venice. And then two key players to watch for them. Oscar Lopez, their backup point guard comes in and gives Johnson a rest because he's got a bad knee. And then sophomore Noah Ta is a really good shooter. So if Pleasant Valley thinks that uh, Venice doesn't have that great shooting capability, I, I'd urge them to watch some tape on Noah Ta because he, he's really good. But uh We'll see. I've underestimated Venice. I, I think Pleasant Valley will probably win, but I've been wrong the last couple of weeks. So I, I don't exactly know how to pick this one just because I, I've been so confused by Pleasant Valley's 
track record in these playoffs. But to hear that they went to overtime against Lincoln, at least they played one close game. I didn't know that. They definitely have experience in close games off of that, which 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 is definitely an issue sometimes for a team that's you know dominated their own area. True, and it's cool to see a team from way up there in Northern California against a team from way down in the Los Angeles area play for a state championship. I have to look at Google Maps to see how far away those two schools are, but <laughs> it's certainly not close. It's Quickly, not quite one of the ones we had in football a few years ago with Del Norte from way up in the northwest corner of the state playing a San Diego team in football, but it's it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> one of the fun things about this state. Definitely. D4, two teams from out of our area, Scripps Ranch from San Diego, and then Justin Siena from the from Northern California. They're going to meet in Division Four. So Scripps Ranch, their best players, Caden Flint. And the cool thing with them, and I just think the cool thing overall, we talked about this a little bit off the air, how they won a football championship. Jax Leatherwood, their great quarterback, he's on the Scripps Ranch team. He's big forward for them. And I think I saw a Cal High Sports tweet. I'm sure you saw this too, Ethan. Only two boys basketball teams from a school have won a football championship at that same school in the same year. And Scripps Ranch has a chance to become the third in the history of California. I think that's pretty interesting. And that's something I'm watching to see if Scripps Ranch can do the uh, double in, in football and boys basketball. To be honest, though, don't know a ton about them or Justin Siena. Well, I can tell you that what I remember from football is just how smart Leatherwood was. It was a really fun interview, engaging kid who's going to do a lot of great things. Um, Justin Siena is a team that was not really on anyone's radar most of the year. You look through their results, and I mean, other than a decent early win against Rodriguez of Fairfield, you know, they went five and seven in an okay, not great league. They lost in the NCS semis, and yet they've managed to rattle off some tough wins. They beat Lowell of San Francisco, who's a really frustrating defensive team that I thought was a sneaky pick in Division Four. They go up to Reading and pick off Enterprise in overtime before a tough home crowd. And then they go and beat Liberty Ranch last night over in Galt, which is a little bit south of Sacramento. Um, looking through their numbers, you know, they aren't averaging huge results offensively, but they're doing enough clearly in their recent games. They're averaging a little under 57 points a game. Um, they've got a, a junior named Travis Hightower, who's been their leading scorer and rebounder. And they definitely have experience on the bench because their head coach, the former D1 coach, George Nesman, who's also, I believe, the athletic director, and he's a former San Jose State boss. So they've got some experience there. And what's scary is they're young. They've only got a couple of seniors on the roster, and they don't really seem to get playing time at all other than maybe one of them. So they're going to be – this is going to be the beginning of something really good for them. I think they're really starting to elevate their profile, which is nice because they've been – They've been a bit quiet for a while. Nice to see them working their way back up. And it's nice at the lower divisions to see the guys who did play football also play basketball. Venice has a kid like that, Percy Jackson, and we just talked about Leatherwood. So you don't see that a ton at the higher divisions, but you do see it a lot at the lower ones. Ethan, so the last game, D5 on the boys' side, Chafee against Stuart Hall. You covered Stuart Hall last night. Take me through their scouting report. Well, Stuart Hall's been a team that, a lot of years has been on the rough side of the whole equity deal where they end up, you know, they're a small school. They're a division five size school. They've been moved up to division four within the North coast section through system of basically playoff points of having a lot of playoff success over the years. Um, they 
have been in D3 a couple times in the state tournament. And over the course of the year, they've really found themselves. I saw them very early on, you know, while it was still November. And other than a couple of guards, they looked really rough. And they've really developed and they've really hit their stride over the last month or so. Um, you know, they were another team that was impacted by not just COVID, but their school has a class trip for the sophomores every year to Costa Rica, sort of a service learning trip. And then because they didn't get to do it last year, they also had one for the juniors. So they really didn't have a full team for the entire month of January. And they've really started to find their form lately. And they've got a really good guard combo in the backcourt in Jackson Jung and Brandon Lum. Lum had 21 last night. Priory's defense did a good job of shutting down Jung, but he still had five assists. And those two are going to go together well. They're a team where if you zone them, they're going to knock down threes. And if you play man, they're going to blow by you and drive to the hoop. So pick your poison. What I thought was really impressive last night was the way a couple of their sort of depth pieces stepped up. A sophomore named Tim Rayford and a kid named Sterling Ludington Simmons, I believe he's a junior. They both really stepped it up in the second half. And then Maverick Malibay, their starting center, has come so far over the course of the season. If you saw him at the start of the year versus now, you would see the sort of development that usually comes from when a kid's a freshman to when he's a senior, not from November to March. So it's been really fun to see that. They've been keeping a lot of games in the 40s to low 50s. They can really shut you down. They're physical. They're scrappy. This isn't the most talented Stewart Hall team. They had they had more talent on their team than they made the state championship around 2019 for sure. It was 2018, I think it was, they made it. I was doing some digging last night. But they're scrappy. They've really come together and bought in as a team. And they've developed this identity. And they're a tough team to keep up with for a full 35-second possession. You might be able to defend them for the first 25 or 30. But those last few seconds, they get the look they want and they make their shots. Awesome. Thank you. Let's get you out of here with this. Girls basketball open division, Sierra Canyon. They avenged their Southern section open division loss last night to Etiwanda. Juju Watkins, California girls basketball player of the year, was named today. She had a big game last night against Etiwanda. And now Sierra Canyon will play Archbishop Mitty in the open division state championship game. Mitty has a legendary coach, right, Ethan? It's my understanding. Take me through uh, that team and how tough it'll be to stop Watkins and Sierra Canyon, because I think on paper that Trailblazers team is loaded, but they certainly won't be overlooking a good Archbishop Mitty team. Yeah, Sue Phillips has coached the U16 national team, so she has experience coaching Juju Watkins, actually. Um, Mitty's been a longtime power. Haley Jones, who's one of the best players at Stanford right now, played there, and they weren't able to get the recognition they deserved at the state level a lot of times because either they slipped up in NorCal's or you had one year where obviously you know, things fell apart because of COVID. So it's cool to see them get back to this stage. And they've got a sophomore named Morgan Shelley, who's definitely going to be a Pac-12 level player. A couple of seniors with scholarships to Seattle University. And then one named Sienna Gudadaro, who's got a scholarship to UTSA. They're a team that moves the ball really well, shoot well from the outside, but they've got length and physicality and a couple of good rebounders. They're just a really well-rounded team in all, and they've got one loss all season, which they avenged last night by beating Carondelet in the NorCal Championship game that they won by nine, led by, I believe it was 16 or 18 at one point. If you look at their results over the course of the year, they've played a lot of good competition, and they've blown out almost all of them. They're 
a terrific program year in and year out. And they're the sort of team that the open division was created for when you've got a team that just dominates within their enrollment level. It's nice to have a chance for them to go out there and see the best of the best instead of just schools that happen to have the same size enrollment as them. You could make the same argument for Sierra Canyon as well. That, oh, no doubt. Yeah, the, the open division was made for them both on the boys and the girls' side. And Mitty boys' team was a little down this year, but we all know the history with, with their boys' team and how, how good that group is. Well, Ethan, thank a you. down so year for Mitty's boys is a league championship, but not winning the CCS Open Division. You know, that's sort of season that most teams would beg for. You know, it's, oh, we only won our league. We only came second in CCS Open Division. So I'd say that's pretty solid place to be. One interesting thing about those Mitty girls, though, was at their CCS championship against Pinewood, who they seem to match up with every year. Surprised they didn't match up again in – NorCal's, but Oak Ridge had other plans there. Um, Mitty was actually down 42 to 30 in the third in that game, and then outscored him 36 to 12 the rest of the way. So that's a team where double digit deficits can go away in a flash because they're such a good shooting team. They can get on a hot streak, and all of a sudden you look up and you, you realize that double digit lead just turned into a double digit deficit. Interesting. Yeah. Snap of the finger almost like that sometimes. Ethan, thank you so much for joining me. Prep to prep sports writer. Really appreciate it. Love following you on Twitter and following your work online. I'll see you meet in person this weekend in Sacramento. Thank you so much for your time, Ethan, and uh, looking forward to the weekend. Should be a good one. Should be a blast. See you there.